back, y'all. My name is Apollo Mighty, and right now, I'm right here. Right now, I'm right here. And today, I am joined by my good friend, Alberto, who is a seasoned regular on... I said a season regular, a series regular on the hit show Chicago Fire on NBC. <laughs> um, but more than that, you're like he's just my homie. Uh, we've been, I've known you now for what, like a year? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. About like, yeah, about a year. So um, how are you, man? Like, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Like, I mean, I've I've had all my homies on, but you know, you and I are kind of new homies, so I get to, I, every yeah, time dude. I feel like we hang out, I get to know you a little bit better, so I'm hoping that this is one of those times, too. Dude, for sure. I'm good, man. I'm good. No, I'm, I'm like, super excited to be here. Like, when when you asked me to be on, I was like, oh, dude, I, if people that know me well know that uh, if you get me talking, I, I tend to talk a lot. So I'm like, I'm always down to talk to, like, you know, my friends, and um, no, I'm good. You know, wrapping a season felt, like, really solid during COVID mm. for, like, both reasons of like, wow, this is like a huge challenge that mm. I like to say that our production really rallied around and I felt safe the entire time. Like they really prioritized that. So I say that that's a solid achievement. And then there's the thing that like, um, it's historic. Like we shot a full episode of television during a pandemic that hasn't happened in a hundred years. So like, wow. Yeah. Wow. What a way to think about that. Yeah. dude. So it's, it's a cool thing it feels like more of an accomplishment this time around. Like this season just feels like more of a, an effort that you had to put in. Well, it just felt like, um, maybe it felt like there, there might've been like a, an eggshell type thing where we were like, we know what we're doing is actually kind of risky right now. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's like, a, we knew that the end goal where people need to eat like people need to live their lives. And like one of, and especially now we saw the value of entertainment during a time like this, where we saw mm -hmm. that like, when we couldn't connect, we used art to feel connected. We watched TV, we listened to music. We, we maybe started painting or something like during this whole time to kind of explore right. ourselves in this way. And uh, so it was like, we had this goal of, of continuing to create that possible connection for people. But at a time when one misstep, like one person gets sick, the whole thing shuts down and that's two weeks. And mm -hmm. if that happens more than a few times then production has to say, well, is it cheaper for us to just hold for six months and not shoot or should we just barrel through? And thankfully the protocol they kind of did and everything that, that only happened once, right? So we were mm -hmm. able to, to get to the end and actually be like, yeah, dude, we did it, oh wow. Whew. Yeah, I feel like we just ran a marathon. Like, For sure, didn't think we could do that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm proud of you guys, man. I, I think um, I think this year was one of the first years I watched it pretty much all the way through, and I was like, oh wow, there's some storytelling happening here. There's yeah, some man. character development that's happening here. There's some real artistry. Um, you talked about you know diving into your art more during the pandemic and using art to kind of relate to other people and to connect. Over the over this year, because you've been on this show and another show prior to this one, uh, how did you define the line between entertainment and artistry for yourself? Whoa, yo, that's a deep question. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Artistry. <laughs> yeah, well, I love this. Um, well, I, I don't know. Maybe they're two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Like our job is to 
entertain. And I guess most people think of entertainment as like escapism or as joyous and fun. But sometimes entertainment is drama. Sometimes entertainment is struggle. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think as an artist, the, the that like you reuse entertainment to kind of like get around things. Like mm-hmm. we're like, we're going to show you this epic scenario of this really entertaining firehouse and the mm-hmm. things they go through on the day. But at the same time, we're going to, we're going to talk about things. Like we're going to nod to subtle things that we noticed like in Chicago. I thought that was a cool thing we did this season specifically when they talked about, uh, there was one guy that was a fantastic firefighter that we met in an incident, but we found out that because he was like, um, he was like convicted of a crime earlier in his life, he couldn't be a firefighter in Chicago. Now this is network TV. We're not trying to change the wheel. Like they're, they're very like, but to even kind of bring that conversation up for the general people to be like, Hey, this is entertaining. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Like, do you agree with that? Do you think that's cool? Like this person's capable and whatever. And we know people are, humans and they, they make mistakes. And then we also over this summer became more aware of, at least we hope that more people came more aware of the different situations in our country that affect different people. So like, we're not going to change the wheel, but we're going to make you think about that question for 45 mm-hmm. minutes and just like leave you to kind of sift. And while we can argue that maybe we don't go as far as we need to, or we can maybe push that. I, I like this idea that we're, we're holding up the mirror to nature like Hamlet, right? But we're mm-hmm. also kind of doing the Brecht thing where we're going to be a hammer and chisel too and just like kind of tap things. For sure. Check it out. Yeah. And so that the, line. Yeah. yeah that No, no, but that's that's perfect. That's what I'm talking about. It That place, I think, yeah, it's, it's putting it in someone's face for 45 minutes, but then depending on how impactful it is and depending on where that person is in their developmental journey, it could impact the way they start thinking from here on out. And I think that's where the line for anybody who wants to do entertainment as an artist, because, you know, I I know people who make, you know, art and it's not not for anybody else, but when you put it out for other people, Mm -hmm. it's essentially for someone else's enjoyment, therefore their entertainment. Um, And I think that's really powerful work that we take on as artists. I think it's something that can give life and shape life and change the way we look at life. Um, I know a lot of people who use television as a way, to, as, as like escapism. So, yeah. you know, it, it's okay. I think it's okay to have something in, in, your, in your wheel that says, okay, I'm going to use this to kind of deal with something that I'm working myself through right now. I'm working through in this time as well. Hold on, did it freeze? Can you hear me okay? Alberto? Oh, no. Hold on, bro. I'm sorry. I think we're having some technical difficulties. Oh, all good. All good. All good. Okay, go. Okay. Like, I'm thinking that there's also this, like, I think it's important to have entertainment for entertainment's sake, for no other reason. To allow yourself to kind of, like, shut down. To be like, yeah, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch The Bachelorette. (laughs) Do I think it's the best TV show ever? Absolutely not. No. Do I agree with it? Not really. No. But there are times when I want to have a glass of wine and just sit there and just like take in other people going through things and not have to worry about bigger questions. Or um, I guess there are certain cartoons that kind of do that too, where you're like, I can just chill here. I don't have to 
it's it's not going to make me especially right now when we're living in a world where exiting your house is a time where you have to constantly you're confronted with the reality that's kind of intense yes. you know yeah. i think you have to you, that's where like that mindfulness comes in where you're like you have to be aware of where you are and sometimes mm-hmm. you need to like step back take a breath relax not do things i'm you know? curious how do how do you practice mindfulness in terms of dealing with like day-to-day life mm. and i ask you that question for a specific reason and from my perception of you you're one of the more one of the more positive minded people like i've never been around you and you seemed like you know that was a chip on your shoulder, you have an attitude. I mean, and everybody yeah. who I've met, you know, from Chicago Fire, like, you know, company is, you know, nice and enjoyable like that, but you seem to have a genuine, bright kind of spirit. I'm wondering like how you maintain that when you're so far from home, when it's cold as hell in Chicago, when the world looks the way that it looks, like how do you practice that? That's like, I don't know, I think, it's not, I don't, you know, sorry, this is like a complicated question answer. I, I feel like it's, there's a bunch of things. There's one that like, I, there's really, I just see, I see two options essentially every day. Okay. You have, let's say every day you wake up and you know the day is 24 hours. Mm-hmm. You could choose to wake up and be like, shoot, man, I have, I have 24 hours left. What am I going to do? That's that's each block of 60 minutes. That breaks down to each minute of 60 seconds. That's that's 500. That's that's so many seconds a day that I have to deal <laughs> with. Like, how am I going to? And I have I have so many things to do. And the times that I feel like I slip out of mindfulness or that I, I, I get caught up in everything and I feel like I'm un, like unmoored or ungrounded comes from when I'm trying to look at everything as that 500,000 seconds 24 hours. That's nuts. But the moments that help are when I'm like, oh man, I've got so much to do today. All right. What do I have to do first? Well, first you got to get out of bed. All right. I'll get up. All right. Now the cat remind, okay. I got to feed the cat. Then it's like, all right, well now this is mindless. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I guess I'll shower right now. That's enough food. I'll shower and then I'll, I'll make that phone call. Cool. And then when I can take it in 30 second segments or like like I, I do push-ups every day. I try to do a hundred push-ups a day. If you do a hundred push-ups in one shot, that's really freaking hard, man. Like, wow. But if you do 10 push-ups 10 times, that's way easier. It, mm. it, I guess it's, it's that thing where you're sometimes I, I, I'm really, I can kind of not worry about everything, but at the same time, I'm, I get anxious and it all kind of creeps back in. So I guess it's that constant like game where yeah. you're like, Right now, I'm going to take more in. Right now, I'm going to do less. How do I maintain that? I, I, I guess it just comes down from that. Like, um, when I was 20, I, I don't know if you know this, when I was 20, I had testicular cancer. No, I so that was, that was like, a, at 20 years old, most people feel completely like immortal. And, you know, I was in college and I was meeting all these cool people. I was living in New York and it was like this awesome time. And I felt like I was like, wow, I'm this young, I got the whole world in front of me. And then you get hit with the circumstance where you're like, oh, so that could end. That's just not end when or how soon, period. The first time I ever acknowledged that whatever this was could end. And it was very like, oh, 
that's kind of weird. And then it was also this thing where I was like, I'm young. What's that? Oh, my body and I are not connected right now. Like I thought I was fine, but mm-hmm. then this thing comes up and it, I almost felt like betrayed by my body. And that was like a weird thing to like work through. But when it all happened, those, I call it like my three weeks in hell. Cause it was, I had a very short diagnosis to surgery to then like clearance, like I had surgery a week after I was diagnosed. And then two weeks after that, they're like, there's no cancer in your body. You got it out with surgery. That's great. You don't have to do radiation or chemo. So I like dodged wow. the bullet. And in those three weeks, I was the most present I've ever been in my entire life. Mm. I, I couldn't, I don't know how to get there again, but it was just for the first time, all of the noise was like gone. And I was able to just take people in and be in a place and eat my meal because I was like this is delicious and I, I don't know this world is pretty cool so there's that and even then when that happened to me I had this huh this is interesting because I've never like talked about this there's like a also a uh, an understanding that this is all happening to me for a deeper reason like this isn't near an end for me this is like I'm supposed to learn something from this experience and maybe one day I'll get the opportunity to share it and teach people through my experiences. There's a bigger purpose here. And I guess I've always felt in life that I do have a, a, a bigger purpose. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. I know that I've just always felt like what I'm doing right now, this is great and I'm on the right path, but I always feel like there's more, there's more I'm supposed to do while I'm here. Mm. And I, I don't know if that's a positive mindset, but it just feels like, oh, okay, whatever this thing that's bothering me right now is this isn't why I'm here. So this is okay. Let it bother me. I'm here for like other things. Don't know what that is yet, but I know it's just, I don't know. It's a part I don't know of if any story. of that answer made sense. Yeah. No, it made complete sense. I love how you said, okay, well, let this bother me for right now instead of, oh, I'm not going to let this bother me because it doesn't matter. Because I believe that everything we experience as people, whether it's something that we want to experience or not, is mm-hmm. a part of it all. I think that's the, the reason we're here. I think that's what gets you to the reason you're here faster than yeah. only focusing on the reason you're here and trying to bypass all the shit that you would consider mundane just so you can get there. Because mm-hmm. the there is right here. Right here, right now. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, um, absolutely. It's like a road trip. Like you're trying to drive to New York, but like you're not just excited. If you're going from LA to New York, you're not just like, woo, we got to New York. No, you're like, I want to stop in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I want to stop at some random gas station in Texas. Maybe we'll spend a day in camp. You know, you're the road, the, the whole road trip is the journey. It's like we're saying, it's not yeah. <laughs> when you get there. And I think when we have the opera, when we have that kind of mindset everything can feel like New York. Everything can feel like that excitement. And when you get to New York, then you have like a, more stories to tell, you know? Um, yeah. What are some of the stories that you want to tell with your life if you had the opportunity? Like if you had to, if you, when you have kids or if you plan on having kids or whatever, like what are some of the stories you want to pass down to them or to other people in general, not just your kids? Yeah. Well, two that I can think of like right now. One, my grandfather's like last words to me were, um, no matter what, what you put in between your ears 
no one can take from you. Mm. So learn as much as you can. And that is one of the things that I think he held on to and allowed him to kind of have the life he had where they fled Cuba with two infant children and came to the United States and built this whole life for their families and whatever. But that idea that like, no one th- thinks anything physical can be taken from you, but what you've put inside you, that that's yours, man. That's, that's all you. And I, there's something really powerful about that, I think. So that's one thing that I'm always trying to inspire or do. Um, the other is I had like a realization. Uh, you ever have that with like a movie where you're like, whoa, that one movie really hit me. Like that's a uh, secret. Every movie that I watch, I try to find something in it that will give me that sense of epiphany almost. I almost wow. don't even like to watch movies that I don't see a piece of myself in. It's really hard for me to watch. I mean, back in college, I could watch stuff like uh, Step Brothers or whatever, and, mm-hmm. I, and I necessarily need to feel connected to it. But <laughs> yeah. On my spiritual journey, I can go back and watch a movie like Step Brothers and be like, no, this is about two people from different sides of the world or different places in the world who didn't think they would get along, but they found a way to get along and found that they were actually like really in sync and closer to each other than they thought. And they helped each other achieve a dream through family and togetherness versus being separate and hating each other and warring. And that's what I'm doing on the inside of myself each and every day, just trying to figure out how I can connect with the next Dude, person. <laughs> it's almost like you should write the uh, the descriptions for movies because now it's like, whoa, Step Brothers is deep, man. <laughs> like, like, see, but that's but what there, there's that line, right? We were talking about earlier, the line yeah. of entertainment. I thought Step Brothers entertainment for entertainment's sake, but you're like, no, it's entertainment that I learned a ton from. So but you've got like- While being entertained. Yeah. Oh. Because at the time I was just being entertained and now taking the lens of self-gratification and just me thinking only about my need to be entertained and like taking the escapism away, I can go back and say, well, wait, like, what was it really about? Like, not what's the plot, but what's the story? What was it about? Yeah. Right. That's a big distinction, plot and story. Yes. Anyway, like, I just completely like took your question and no, I, I remember it because we're on like the same path. So like that movie for me, and and like, I guess this was one of those times that I didn't expect it. Like I, I, in college, that's when I started going to movies by myself, and I went and saw Boyhood. Like, is that the one where they, they shot it for ten years? Yeah, Patricia Arquette. Twelve years. Yes, with Patricia Arquette. Yeah, and it had that song. Let me know. Let me go. I don't want to be, be a hero. Yeah, I, dude. I still listen to that song to this day. Me too. And and there was something about that entire movie that made me realize, like, whoa. I, I, I don't realize for me, I was like, life is a super lonely thing. Mm-hmm. Life itself. It's so lonely. We're all plagued with this lonely thing, life. But we're not alone. All of us are doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I learned in that movie. I, I recognized the loneliness that I felt as a child that I could never articulate because I felt like people don't understand me or I'm seeing things that I'm like, I, I, I get that, but why don't, I? whatever it was that I felt was disconnected. I was like, oh, I was, I was justified in that. That wasn't like just me. That's that life is lonely. You're, you're the only one in hopefully you're the only one in your head. 
But there's this thing where we're all connected through that and we're all living this life and that's why we're not alone. And it's this beautiful, wonderful thing that, that we, we have teammates that we sometimes mm-hmm. don't know about. And it's like, so this idea that while you may be lonely, you're not alone. That's something that I kind of like touching on. Like the, the, few, the, characters, the few characters I've played, I've always said like, I would love if someone else sees that person and is like, oh dude, that's me. Oh, that's me. How did you, you get me? That's, mm-hmm. and if there's only one other person in the world that gets you, you, you made it. Like, you're like, wow, I'm not alone. Bro, for sure. It, like that's, yeah. that's a huge part of why I started this podcast because I started meeting all these people suddenly over this last year, over the last mm-hmm. two years. And I would say, wow, that's me. And you boil everything down to take away someone's ethnicity or you take away someone's race or you take away some, you know, you take away all these things, which are important, which are important, but you get down to just the human aspect of people. And like you just said, I used to experience my loneliness the most when I was a child. I remember he would creep up on Saturday afternoons around one or two o'clock when the baseball games would come on. And I would, and Mm -hmm. I thought it was, it was just, it was the saddest thing in the world, bro. I was so sad. I would sit on the couch in the living room. My brother would be in his, in our room. My mom would be in her room. And I would just feel this pit in the bottom of my stomach, just of dread and fear and loneliness. And I just couldn't stand it. And I was, it would stay there until around five o'clock. And then like something else on TV would come on. And I would use television to like not feel that way. If I was being entertained, I didn't feel alone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, I don't know why. So when you said that, that was one of those moments you were talking about. That's me. That's me. Yeah. And we start. I started this podcast because I want people, especially because you know you we have I have fans, you have fans, and there's these people who like. I I get messages all the time from these kids, and they're just like, I don't know if you'll ever want to talk to me. And I'm like, No, bro, I am you that's it that's it right there though you have no idea and i think that's something that i'm learning too through working on things is like oh what i used to see as me was so small yes and now i recognize how big me is because me could be me it could be the character like i and that's the thing like the more things i'm like scripts i'm reading more characters i'm like well, that could be me if I was just born in a different place or had a different parent or, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things that we think truly, de- like, you know, deviate us ever so slightly. Those mm-hmm. aren't that big. Yeah. yeah. So no. that what, what's, what I know is me or can be me has gotten so much bigger over the last few years. This year, it feels like a lot. I think this what this year, if the spirits and the universe are really in control here, I think this what they were trying to do with this year um i remember wake I people was, up wake us up and then yeah. and also give us rest all at the same time yo yes because that's, i that's cool as scary as it was there was something so comforting about being surrounded by people at that time who i knew who mm-hmm. were discovering themselves, who were making mistakes, who could laugh, who could sing, who could, you know, I was, I, and I was on the expressway today and it was jam packed full of people. And eight, 
no, not eight. A year ago, this same time, Miranda and I were on the expressway, same day, same time, and there was no one on the expressway. From, the, from Wicker Park all the way to downtown, we didn't run into anybody, maybe like seven or 10 cars, seven to 10 cars. Yo. And so I just thought about it and I was like, that was a moment for us. You know, in yeah. 10 years, we'll look back and say, wow, you know, that moment changed my life. That pandemic changed the way I started looking at myself. And, and in a lot of us, for me included, it stopped me from separating myself so much from people. Yep. I started realizing how many times in my mind I, I suffer because I decided to separate myself from everyone else, mentally and physically. Yep. That's a cool way to say that. Yeah. Like to me, that 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 resonates with me. The idea that like I, it got worse when I started to see myself as other rather than also as like because mm -hmm. I'm think I think of like you think pandemic. I think people taking toilet paper, mm -hmm. and I just remember being like, I remember the fear of being of seeing no toilet paper and being like, damn, dude, there's no if. So when we see some, we've got to buy a lot. But then that's that's the the same thing the person before me did. Right. And, and before me, so I can't be mad at them because they right. were just doing what I would have done. And that's, yeah. So how else yeah, do you process emotion, like like strong emotions? What are your methods for processing difficult emotions, I would say? You know, this is something I'm like working on right now because I'm someone that is a, both very connected to their body but also I can like intellectualize things and think a lot. Mm. So it's like these two brains almost. And sometimes this brain thinks it knows too much. And, and that's when I feel like I get into problems uh, dealing with emotions. So I'll, I'll either snap to what's comfortable or easy, whether that's anger or just, you know, separation or whatever, rather than actually like working through something. And what I'm learning is the more I begin to recognize that this brain, my body brain is just as smart as my mind brain, the easier it is to recognize where it's like the warning signs of, oh, oh, I'm getting, I'm nervous right now. Interesting, mm -hmm. why? Why am I nervous right now? Something in my stomach is telling, oh, well, dude, this isn't about you. We're talking about some, oh, okay, cool. We've worked through that rather than let those that energy continue to build and continue to build until my brain was like, we're, I can't process all of that. That's a lot. I can process the little bits and be able to say, Oh, this is so, and this is something I, I mean, I just started like realizing like a month ago, like, um, and, and that's something I'm like, Oh, that's, I'm so connected to my body. And when it comes to like physical things, I, I, I trust it. So why don't I trust it? When it comes to emotional things mm -hmm. that i should trust it that mm -hmm. it's it's still me and it's trying to tell me things in maybe more clear ways if i'd only just open my eyes to them sure yeah man for sure that just resonated throughout my whole like all the fibers in me um i think when we associate a trait such as anger, or I'm sorry, associate a, a, an emotion such as anger to our 
personality mm. come attached to things and ways of being like somebody who says yeah i'm just a loner i'm, I'm used to being alone okay mm. and what do you, what emotions do you experience around being alone well obviously there's a sadness and obviously there's a need to be recognized because you're telling people through your actions and through your words that hey i'm alone and I prefer to be alone. And here are all the reasons why. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Instead of, I feel, I feel alone here in my body. And this is what this is how it's manifesting. So let me deal with this thing so that I can get to a place where I don't feel alone. So that mm-hmm. I can get to a place where even if I'm alone, I'm not lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Like health, like just and just to a place of health. You know, I yeah. think I think the more we're able to process our emotions in a healthy way, the healthier we are. Um, and not to yeah, reduce yeah, absolutely. It, you know, because I know that there's a lot of nuance to it. But I look around the world, I look through social media, and I just see a bunch of grown-ass people who don't know how to process their emotions. And then they project yeah. all their negative fucked up emotions onto everybody else. So the fact that you're angry about this one thing <laughs> then becomes the catalyst for how you treat a whole generation of people. Well, then, it, and then it continues into that idea that like, gosh, these people don't get me, they're other. Taking the me out of we. Yeah, it, exactly. It's, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost at that point. I studied self-fulfilling prophecies at the beginning of the year because I just noticed as soon as I say to myself, it's not going to work out, it's not going to work out. Not because I mean, the conditions weren't there for it to work out, but because I've said it and now you decided I'm, it. I'm, sub- I'm subconsciously doing whatever I can to sabotage it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I see I mean, it in myself yeah. right now The the, I, I'm fighting against like self-sabotaging myself right now because I I see great things happening in my career. I see great things happening in my relationships and my friendships. And this is normally the time that I say, this is a happiness overload. Something bad needs to happen now. Yeah. Let me, let me fix the plot. The plot here, this in the plot here, this is when the, the roof caves in and I go broke. (laughs) <laughs> see see but then if you think about it like when you're saying this i'm like yeah this is the part of the road trip where you get a flat tire it doesn't mean you're not on the road trip anymore <laughs> oh exactly it, it, it just means like when you finally deal with this flat tire that's going to be a hilarious story like <laughs> mm-hmm. hopefully and there's or, a good difference between getting a flat tire and you being the one who gets out of the car and takes a knife and punctures your own tire and punctures your own tire so yeah. that you can, so you can have a, so you can have an excuse for not continuing the road trip. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, they can just go and say, well, it didn't work out because it wasn't meant to be. But I don't know. I think I'm trying to divorce my myself from the notion of things being meant to be and then being not meant to be when it comes to my participation in them. Because if I show up for it. And I, yeah. and I give myself to it. What was meant to be was me giving that effort and whatever comes from that is what's meant to be. But I can't just keep saying it's not meant to be if I'm not willing to show up and do any of the work. Yeah. You, uh, 
Yeah, there's a phrase that I'm thinking that that that's like this, like a. It's like they have to find you working in order to. It, it is like a, a thing about like. Well, I guess luck that that preparation meets opportunity. That's what they call luck. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, someone could have good luck because that means they're prepared. And when that opportunity comes, they're going to seize it. But if you're not prepared or you're not doing the work and the opportunity comes, you've kind of decided like if you're not. If you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Yes. So it's yes. one of those things where it's like, yeah, I completely agree. And also, that's also like a defense, a defense mechanism sometime to be like, I don't want this. I don't want to put all this work in and kind of make myself vulnerable in that way for it to fall in my face. So I'm not going to do that. So if it doesn't, I can say, well, it wasn't meant to be. I didn't really mm-hmm. do everything I needed. and That didn't work out at the time. So and you're, you're kind of like taking that responsibility off yourself. Right. But. Yeah, it's um, it's a tr- for me personally, it's a trauma response. Hmm. There have been many times in my life where. I felt great. Everything in my life was great. I didn't see any opposition coming. And the biggest thing in the world, like losing somebody close to me happens. Right. And that has caused me to withdraw when things get good because I don't want to feel too good. I don't want to allow myself to feel too happy because I know what the come down. You know what the fall is going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. But we can't live our lives like that. You can't live no. your life so afraid of the fall that you never try the climb. Like, who is that for? Who's who's that doing anything for? I mean, the yeah, I, I feel like the pain you feel from not trying the climb is definitely worse than falling mm-hmm. over time. It's like it compounds, right? You're like, well, now if I had started earlier, it might have worked out, but now it's too late. Uh, uh, but now it's definitely too late because I should have started when I said I should have started. But then I, you know, and it just, it's almost like you keep opening a wound rather than just. What's something in I, your life yeah. that you're like, oh, I, I should have done, I could have done, I would have done, but it's not too late for you to do it if you decide to do it right now. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. You know, uh, it's funny. You're like, what's something I should have done that that maybe not too late to do right now? But when I was so, my college essay was about uh, when I played. I played baseball, and there was this one game where my coach was like, "You're gonna pitch this game. It's like the final game." And I was like, "Ooh, yes, I'm a pitcher. I love this. is great. I never get this chance." And it's an important game, not like a throwaway game. So he believes in me. This is going to be awesome. And then I wasn't starting though. I was going to, I was going to come in in like the fourth inning. So I'm on the bench for the first three innings, just warming up, waiting. Then he goes, all right, go warm up. So I start warming up and throwing pitches. And then he goes, actually, we're going to have this guy's pitching a great game. We're going to let him keep pitching the next inning. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll close. I'm coming in. Then the game got really intense. It was like two to two. And the coach is like, oh, we're going to, you know, actually, we're going to put you in center field. We're going to bring the other kid who pitches more. He's going to pitch. Mm. And I remember being so mad because I was like, I sat out of this game for five innings. 
five of seven innings doing nothing, waiting for this chance that you promised me because you believed in me now to have it given to someone who hasn't been warming up, who pitched like three games is, you know, all the things that, and then the, the culmination comes, it's, it's the bottom of the, the last inning. I'm sitting in left field, really annoyed. The game is tied. There's a man on second and third. So the chances for that other team to score are right up there. And then a ball gets hit my way and I start running towards it. And then there was a moment where I clocked it. I was like, if I give it my all here and I dive for that ball, I might catch it. Then I can get up and throw the guy out at third and we could win the game. But I also was like, fuck you coach. <laughs> so I didn't dive. Oh. I ran for it. I didn't miss it. The ball bounced. They won the game. Mm. I should have dove. I shouldn't have let him decide how I was going to play. But I let him decide how I was going to play. And then that chance I had to be like, you were wrong for not believing in me. He was right. Because when the time came, I didn't dive. I didn't dive in. So that's something I should have done something I could have done differently, but now I'm going to dive. I will look like an idiot diving, but I'm not going to have the self shame of knowing that I could have like, that's, that bothers me. The idea that like, I could have been a hero and then kind of been like, Shh, you put me anywhere. I'll play. Right. And I'll be someone that you, yeah, you put me anywhere. I'm a get, I'm a, I'm a playmaker. And instead I was that angry kid that came off the bench. So for me, that's something that I think I've changed. I, I learned from that experience. I hated it so much after that, that I was like, I'm, I'm going to dive from now on, man. I'd rather, yeah. I missed the ball anyway, if I didn't, nothing's different. But if I had dove, I could have, I still think about that. I was like 12. Mm. So for me, that was, that was something that I'm like, it sat in there. That, it was a pivotal thing, moment. Cause, at the end, Cause me diving or not, it affected the whole team, but I doubt they think about it. They think about, yeah, we got second at that tournament. I think we could have gotten first if I had dove. And either way, if I had dove and missed it, at least I would never think I could have done more. Right. <laughs> like, I know, like, I did everything I could. Like, I, I dove for that ball. I put my body on the line there. I don't know. So I think there's, that feels like something that I've, I've like, you're not figured out, but I'm like, I'm going to dive from now on, but something that I haven't done that I still could do. I don't know. Like I want to see the world. I want to eat food everywhere. Cause I think like learning about people's culture, some of the funnest and coolest ways to do it is through their food. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, but all of those things, I feel like I, I will do in different ways, sure. in different times. I, 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 like I said, I'm going to take the dive. So if someone's like, yo, let's try this food that you've never had. I'm not going to say, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm going to say, hell yeah. I'll I'll try that and if I don't like it I will tell you <laughs> I'll be yeah. like no man this is nasty or I'll say <laughs> wow now I love Ethiopian food like I'd never had it before but then when I did that one time I think they do oh, I think it's so great with the way you roll the dough and you can like use it to pick different things off of oh, I think it's fantastic now but before I'd never had it I had no idea what Ethiopian cuisine was like and if I'd like it but I dove in and now I'm glad I did like so taking the dive taking the dive oh Take the dive 
this is just thing I actually have. Wow. Do I have it with me? Do I have it with me? Um, maybe not. I have a painting by Norman Rockwell. Uh, he painted the covers for the Saturday Evening Post in like the 1940s. Um, so very like traditional 40s, like America, World War II things, like that whole movement. That's kind of what he was painting. And there's one famous painting he has of a, of a little kid on a diving board and his fingers are curled around the edge of it and he's peeking over, looking down at the water. And uh, Steven Spielberg actually owns the original of that painting. Mm. And he says that whenever he decides to direct a movie or, or go in, he looks at that painting because he decides, am I gonna be the kid that walks back down the stairs and says, oh, it's too high for me? Or am I gonna be the guy that jumps? And I, when I first saw that painting, I was like, I, 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 I know that kid, that's me. And I'm going to be the version of me that jumps in, not the kid that puts his tail between his legs and walks down the back stairs and says that I can't do that. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, dude. That's awesome. Okay. So we have um, the next segment. We have two more segments. And I like to do a lightning round. I haven't okay. thought of a really clever name for it, but um, maybe I will. We can be like right here, right now, right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's five questions. I'm going okay. to, and these are weird questions. They're not, they're not weird, but like a couple of them are just funny. But I'm going to put a minute on the timer here. Okay. This is what happens when somebody gives me a show that I can just do whatever I want. <laughs> and just answer them as fast as you can. Got it. Okay. What's one thing you can't get quite enough of? Pasta. Uh, what's the first thing that you did today? Uh, I had a cup of coffee. What's something you will not be doing in 10 years? <laughs> Uh, one thing I will not be doing in 10 years, forgetting to look down before I poop to see if there's toilet paper. <laughs> I'm taking your time. Oh my God. Um, finish the sentence. If I could punch one person in the face, I would punch. Uh, if I could punch one person in the face, I would punch this kid named Gunther that kicked me in the balls when I was like 12. I punch him straight in the face. You have so many things that happened to you with 12, at 12 years 12 old. was a big year for me. It was a big it's, year for me. Yeah, <laughs> you, you did a lot. I always um, generalize. Every, I was always 12. Like, in my mind, I'm always 12. Ah, damn it. Sorry. <laughs> it's good, man. It's good. I'll save the next question for when I see you at, at dinner. All right. All right. Hell yeah. Um, and so that leads us into our last segment of the evening. And it's called words of wisdom so it can be a quote that you've heard recently that or, or a mantra or i've had someone recently give advice to their younger self which i thought was really cool so Whoa. oh my god it was so beautiful like yeah um oh, i can feel that already that's that feels intense <laughs> yeah you, you should go and talk to your 12 year old self i don't know if you're gonna do it right now but whenever you get time talk to him not yet not yet man he's got a lot to learn <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah 
Go right ahead, man. Share your words of wisdom. I think it all comes back to the thing I mentioned earlier, what my grandfather said. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it's, it's funny. Um, it, it, it would go my grandparents, like what my grandparents have said. So my grandfather on my, on my dad's side, the one that I'm named after. I'm the third. I don't know if you know that. I'm Alberto Carlos Rosende, the third. Oh, wow. So I'm named after my father, who's named after his father, who's actually named after his father, but he had different middle names. So, but like, so my grandfather said two things, and it was interesting because he'd kind of been out of it. Um, he hadn't been completely there until my brother and I were in the room that day, and he was focused and got these two things out as if he knew it was going to be the last time he talked to us. And he was like, the first thing, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, never do anything wrong. Cause someone will always know you know of you and know who you are. And, and in me, that was like a interesting, I see what he's saying. I, I think there's an allowance for being human and making mistakes but there's also that like stoic idea that it only hurts you if it's truly wrong. And if it's not wrong, it can't hurt you. Mm. And there's like that moral, that compass that I think you have to live by where you're like, if this isn't truly wrong, it's not going to hurt me. But if it's hurting me, then there's something I have to look into. Um, So is that, then there's the learn everything you can because what you put in between your ears, no one can take from you. I thought that was like, that's one pocket. My other grandfather was always really big in learning as well. Mm-hmm. And he was like, learn every language you can, every way to communicate with other people, because every new language you learn, an entire world opens up for you. And I don't think language is just Spanish, English, Portuguese, French. I think music is a language. I think physicality is a language. Dance is a language. Um, Uh, you know, all of these other things that maybe even like, I'm going to learn about video games because that's a whole other language that now that I speak, there's a bunch of people I can talk to about this and connect with on a different level. So there's that. And then my grandmother, her and I had some really cool talks before she passed. And she was like going through really intense like cancer treatment. And it was incredible to see this beautiful, strong woman kind of like coming towards the end of her life, but never losing a a step of grace or a step of like who she was. And I love that. And she said, um, Alberto, I've always said in life, you have to fight. You have to fight for what you want, for what you love, for who you are. So that those little things, it's like, uh, you hear them, you're like, wow, cool. But as I've gotten, oh, And then there's a Cuban phrase that I really like that my grandfather, again, on my dad's side says, and he goes, um, it's, I'm going to say in Spanish first, I'll tell you in English. It's, the devil knows more because he's old than because he's the devil. (laughs) And it's something my dad always repeats to me. And then, so knowing those things, it's, it's cool to kind of remember things that kind of hit you and put you in your back pocket. Because as you get older, when you look back on them, you're like, oh, that means so much more to me now than I thought it did at the time. My grandfather saying that, I didn't realize that was the last thing he was going to say to me. But now I, I, it's one of my pillars, that, that idea. Uh, trying to just be open to different language. That's another thing that I'm always trying to just see people speak different languages too. 
So you're like, what's your language? Like, because maybe if we're not connecting, it's because I'm just not speaking your language. And that's not either of our faults. We got to work together to figure that out. But that, and then my grandmother, that idea that you have to like, you have to be willing to die. You have to fight. Like it all connected. And then as I've gotten older, the people that are older than me, that um, my parents, aunts and uncles, friends that I've met, uh, I start to kind of like try to see through what they're saying because I know that the devil knows more because he's old than because he's the devil. So like, what are you really trying to tell me sometimes? And I feel like that, uh, that wall that comes up when you're younger and you have that like, well, I'm, I'm now an adult, I can do anything that prevents you from really like growing. Um, so th those things I think are the, like, that's like my little sack of things that I try to hold on to. It's not just one, it's, it's all of them kind of constantly teaching and learning and, and growing with me as I grow. Like I look at my parents in a whole new light because the devil knows more because he's the devil. When they were scolding me before when I was a kid, now I recognize those are just their fears. And they've wow. had friends that they've lost. They've seen people that have made mistakes that completely changed the course of their lives. And they were so afraid of those things happening that they were willing to make them seem like something, you know, like bad or something that I was like, why are you being mean here? Like just their, their, their fear. So now I'm as older, I'm like, oh, I, I get it. Like, I, I don't know what it's like to be a parent, but I can imagine loving something that much that you're willing to do anything for it. Wow. Yeah. That's a cool thing that you guys are willing to carry that burden. Like, right. I don't know. It's just been more, uh, yeah, I think it's that. And then the last one is the, the stoic understanding that the truly wise know that they know nothing. And I, 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 sometimes you reel with that and I'm like, what do you mean? I, I've been alive for 28 years now. That's not a, that's not a small amount of time. It's not 50 years, but 28 years is solid. Like that's, but as you get older, you're like, man, it's that, it's that, what is that called? It's that scientific thing where the more you learn about something, the more questions you have. So the more there is to learn. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can never stop digging because the deeper you dig, the wider the hole gets and the more there's to know. And so you keep digging. And that's how I feel with all of these things. It's like, oh, the more I think about them, the more I live, the more the questions I'm going to have. And that's not scary. That's exciting. And that's not bad. That means I'm doing it right. <laughs> I feel like if I stop having questions, then there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a long answer, but that's pretty much like my little sack of things I hold on to. Bro, I that, I've, that I've like taken out at sometimes and been like, yeah, yeah, that's gonna stay in there. That that still holds up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bro, thank you so much for being here with no, us today, you. man. This was amazing. Dude, um, I feel very. I felt very present this whole conversation. This has been dope. I've loved this. I think every time we've had a conversation, I've left it more curious and more. And I always get that. Oh, that's me when I talk to you. You know, I always Yo, have that cool. feeling of like, oh, wow, no, like, I understand this guy. I get there's something about you that I've always felt, there's always felt familial, familial and familiar. Yeah. Me, you know? I think there's this, uh, I had a, uh, an acting teacher once that he's like, I don't like the word talent because people don't really, what is that? Mm. He's like, I think another word for that is curiosity. 
I love curious people. Yes. And I find curious people tend to make really good artists. And really um, good friends. And really good friends because they're always trying to like, what else is up there? What else right. is out there? Like what what else can we share? Like so and I feel I feel our connection through our curiosity. <laughs> like our connection through our curiosity. For sure. I, I feel that. I'm like, we're both people that are gonna like ask each other questions and then you'll say something that'll make me go, oh, shit. Yeah. That's really cool. What else is this man saying? Okay, okay, okay. And like, and I always want to know where you got that from. Whereas like there's exactly. people who I've always, you know, when you're younger, you, you get, you get into a habit of listening to people and going off what they say based off, like you were saying, like, you know, your grandparents or your mom and dad say something to you and you're like, okay, sure. But then you get into a situation in life where you have to apply this thing. And yeah. a lot of what I, a lot of the things that I've kept in my, in my little bag are because I've tested them against the worst things in my life. <laughs> yep. And they stay strong. They they stay gold. And then on the flip side of that, I've tested some of the bullshit I learned from my friends who didn't know shit. <laughs> I tested it against some really so even some some minor situations and they were like that doesn't work. That doesn't work. You, you know, know? It, it yeah, it's it's funny if if you get handed shit, it's always going to stink. You know, it's always going to it's always going to be like, "Oh man, this it's, you, you said that and I resonate with a lot of like when I was a younger dude and just trying to be a younger dude and being like, man, when you listen to the wrong people, you definitely pay for it. Like Every time. Every yeah. time. So you I learned. thank you, man, for being one of the people who I can listen to. Um, oh, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with the listeners. And I'm looking forward to getting to know you more and to seeing how you grow and how your art and your curiosity grows. I'm just... I'm fascinated by your journey. Yo. So. Dude, thanks, man. Thanks. I'm, I'm really happy to have like uh, like a world in Chicago now. You know, getting here was that wasn't certain, but now I feel like I have uh, I have a tribe, which is really Thank solid. You, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. For sure. All right, everybody. Till next time. Right now, right here. Right now, right here. You've been listening to Right Now, Right Here with Apollo Mighty. I'd like to thank you, my guests, and my sponsors for making this possible. If you have any questions or suggestions for guests or topics, send an email to apollo at apollomighty.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. I'll see you next week for another episode of Right Now, Right Here. This is the part that I hit the most. I really want to go, but I'm staying right here.